Welcome back to another episode of Ecumenical. My name is Peter Holm, and today we're going to talk about meditating on the passion of Christ, so specifically the cross. All right. Now, before we get started, thank you all for tuning in. Make sure if this video helps you and you like it, smash the like button. If you want to continue following, get more updates, see the rest of the videos on the channel, see when I put new stuff out, please subscribe down below, share this video so other people can get access to it. And yeah, just let's grow together. I'm happy to go and build your understanding of the Catholic faith and continue going out there and helping other people find the truth as well. So, all right, thank you for everything. Let's do this. Meditating on the cross. Now, all of us kind of know from our catechisms and from just being Catholic, living, going to Mass, hearing homilies from priests and talking to others, prayer is an essential part of being a Christian. And when we pray, we need to imitate Christ the best way we can. And in that involves meditation. Christ did meditation. He's God, right? So when he worked, whether he was in the desert or when he was in the grotto before, you know, in the agony of the garden, all of those, there was a lot of meditation going on. Why meditation? Because it's the only way outside of the natural to actually move ourselves outside of the natural, so outside of the feelings and sensory of this, this world. Um, we're moving outside of the here and the now. We're moving into the presence of our divine God. That's where meditation takes us. It allows us to take our soul and connect it properly with focused effort to our Lord. The only reason we have an opportunity, you and me, anyone, any soul on the face of this earth, has the possibility to go to heaven is because of the ultimate sacrifice given by Jesus Christ on Calvary when he was sacrificed on the cross. Then the Son gave himself to the Father. All of us have that opportunity to connect ourselves to that event forever until the return of Jesus Christ to this earth on horseback with the in front of the heavenly host until that all happens we all can connect ourselves to that sacrifice and give our part back like unify ourselves and give our part back to the father right that's why we go to mass and expanding on that that's why we do the rosary right the rosary is meditations on those events we have an obligation to connect ourselves spiritually to our lord so that this event, this sacrifice on the cross, not only happens in the Mass, it happens around communion. It should happen when we think about our confession, why we're going to get sacramental grace there. It should extend to our daily life. And most importantly, from the purpose of this video here, focusing on prayer. Okay, We're doing this to make sure that our meditation in prayer is efficacious. It's useful. And it gets us closer to Jesus Christ. Now, it's not just me saying this and coming up with it because I, I'm whatever. All right. I didn't come up with this on my own. I am following in the footsteps of giants here. And this is what the saints do for us. Specifically, we're going to focus on two saints today, Teresa of Avila and Francis de Sales. All right. When we look at Teresa of Avila's work, specifically the interior castle, she talks about how you continue to get deeper and deeper into prayer and you go inside of yourself to find God, because ultimately we were created by God. We have a God-shaped hole inside ourselves, as Fulton Sheen kind of put it. And the only thing that fills that God-shaped hole is God. So it's so big that only the divine can fill it up, okay? Well, then what we have to do to get that filled is we have to throw out and detach ourselves from all the natural things that interfere and distract to keep us from 
uniting ourselves with Almighty God. That unification there, again, that's our spirit. We're trying to go and bond it intimately with Jesus Christ, and that happens in Jesus Christ in that meditation. Now, Teresa of Avila builds on that, and we got some quotes coming up from her out of Interior Castle. Now, Francis de Sales did similar things here, okay? He wrote Introduction to the Devout Life. In Introduction to the Devout Life, he focuses on a lot of meditative prayer. So let me go and take one of his quotes right now. He says, But especially, I commend earnest mental prayer to you. More importantly, such as bears upon the life and passion of our Lord. If you contemplate him frequently in meditation, your whole soul will be filled with him, you will grow in his likeness, and your actions will be molded on his. He is the light of the world. Therefore, in him, by him, and for him, we shall be enlightened and illuminated. He is the tree of life, beneath the shadow of which we must find rest. He is the living foundation of Jacob's well, wherein we may wash away every stain. All right? So, Francis de Sales, St. Francis de Sales, and St. Teresa of Avila, both are doctors of the church. All right? This is really important here. They're telling us to meditate and telling us, moreover, to meditate on the passion of our Lord, meditating on the cross and what happened there and the pain and all of the sensory that we get for it. As much as we want to separate from our senses and my skin and my feelings and my thoughts and my worries and my needs or whatever I think in my head having to do with just life, okay? We try and pull away from ourselves, but the only natural we should be looking at, the only thing that's natural in there, if we can call it that, is looking towards the pain and suffering of our Lord Jesus Christ on Calvary. That is what we want to be connected to, not ourselves. Because if we can connect there, then we ultimately then are now gaining the merits that come along with his sacrifice and intimacy with our Lord, which is where we want to be. We do everything for him. He's number one. Every other priority in all of our life should come after our Lord Jesus Christ and everything we do for him. Now, these two doctors of the church remind us that Christian meditation is not, and I will emphasize, is not based in our emotions. Our emotions tie us falsely to the sensations of this world and the times of this world, and they give us false consolations and pains that ultimately detract from our ability to understand and to be bonded intimately with our Lord Jesus Christ. We have an obligation to do these meditations as free as we can of emotion, all right? Now, will there be suffering involved in thinking about our Lord and all of his pain? Yes, but we don't do this so that we feel good about ourselves or that we focus on the emotion. We do this knowing that that sacrifice was the perfect sacrifice to the Heavenly Father and through it, our salvation is possible and the salvation of all mankind. Our job is to help as much of mankind accept those graces as possible, do everything that Christ commanded, Matthew 28, 20, so that this is our great commission. We are building people up with the grace of God so that they can find their way into receiving sacramental grace and ultimately salvation, all right? That doesn't involve emotion. Charity and love, which is, you know, faith, hope, and charity, faith, hope, and love, that love is the 
sacrificial love where we give of ourselves, not a love where I feel good about the fact that I'm in love with this thing. It's not like that. It's love knowing that it's the right thing to do. It's love knowing that the only way that we're going to get anything for the glory of God means we give of ourselves everything we have, just like Christ did for us on the cross. All right. That's the love we're talking about. That's not an emotion. That is logic. That is truth. That is a virtue. That's how we're looking at it. All right. Now, we are to display temperance in all that we do and discipline in our devotions. So we can't go overboard to the point where we hurt ourselves or we lose the ability to be virtuous in other aspects of our lives. So the goal we're looking for here is complete and perfect balance in all virtues everywhere. And when we see the shortcomings, those are the places we need to work through and get the rough edges, you know, ground off, polished. And the way we do that is in sacramental grace, our prayers and meditations, basically working through our growth in Christ with his grace. All right. It's not easy. This is going to be this. It's hard, but I'm talking about it now because it's important as well. Now, Francis de Sales goes on to tell us more about some of these devotions. So what does he say? The world looking on sees that devout persons fast, watch and pray, endure injury patiently, minister to the sick and poor, restrain their temper, check and subdue their passions, deny themselves in all sensual indulgence, and do many other things which in themselves are hard and difficult. But the world sees nothing of that inward, heartfelt devotion which makes all these actions pleasant and easy. All right. Now, Teresa of Avila says, basically, if to build on this, okay, because this is hard, and it's, there's many things that are going to pull us away and try to keep us from actually focusing, and we're like, oh, I'd like to do anything else but this, because there's something else I got to do. I got to eat. I got to go take care of this one task. I got to pay a bill. I got to, you know, whatever. She says, if we do not meditate, we should be doubtful of our state with God. So Teresa of Avila warns us, do meditation, or there is a likely chance you are not in the good graces of God, and you are walking a bad path. Specifically, she mentions how it is good to do long meditations on the pains of our Lord and how well it is for all of us to suffer alongside our Lord. Okay, She states in the interior castle again, this is where all of her work on meditation and prayer comes in, she says, those who do not meditate on the passion had better begin to do so in order to best help our souls because... He is well pleased if we grieve at his pains, even though sometimes at the cost of our own constellations and joys. All right. Now, I've done this build up here. Okay, we've talked about prayer, meditation, really important. Francis de Sales and Teresa of Avila both say it's absolutely essential. So let's think on it for a minute. Okay. so now I'm probably going to put some stuff here on the screen to to add to it, but think about the words as I say them, all right? So for anyone who's just listening on the podcast, think of this, okay? Francis de Sales, he kind of sets up the, the focus here. So he says, if you wish to meditate upon our Lord on his cross, you will place yourself in imagination on Mount Calvary as though you saw and heard all that occurred there during the Passion. Now, to add on to his quote here, think now, In this place, it's dusty, and everyone's exhausted because Christ's followers in particular are tired and saddened. Only people left with him nearby are our Blessed Mother, St. John, and Mary Magdalene. There's Roman soldiers all over the place, a bunch of them drunken, and have already done a lot of damage to our Lord, all right? 
the scourging. All right. Number one, the scourging. So he has blood that is all over him, caked on him, dried on him, and still running out of him. His bones are exposed. His flesh is peeling in certain places and falling in places that has been torn up by the scourging. He received 40 lashes with a cat of nine tails, and those all had metal hooks in it, so it was pulling the skin and the muscle off, okay? Horrendous in terms of the, the amount of wounds. It should have been a death sentence all by itself, but our Lord, a divine and human person combined here, the two natures, he didn't die. So this is after he's already been punched and mocked by the Roman soldiers. I should say at first he gets punched and mocked and, and slapped by the Pharisees after the temple guard had already roughed him up and his feet were all bloodied as he was being walked to Caiaphas's house. And then after he was scourged, he was still punched and beaten more and spit on uh, and then beaten with that stick as well as had the crown of thorns shoved into his head. All right, so it pierced his skin. So now his hair is caked in blood and he still has dust and he's fallen multiple times on the road just to get to Calvary. He is, his shoulder is messed up because he's, you're talking about the most painful of all of his wounds is the wounded shoulder. If you want to um, know more about that, look up St. Bernard's Prayer on the wounded shoulder. And I want to say Padre Pio adds more on that pain. When you think about him now, our Lord, in this terrible state, he has gone hours without food or rest and has continued to endure all of the most grievous punishments and torture imaginable to a human being. He has done and suffered more than any of us will ever suffer in our entire lives, no matter what happens to us, definitively beyond a shadow of a doubt. And if you doubt that, then ask for a second, did he deserve it? We know he didn't. Did we? Do we deserve it? Yes. Now, the onlookers, even people who were not his followers, are grieved when they look at Jesus and his state. This is how bad he has been maimed by all of the different tortures over the past, at this point, because he dies at 3 p.m. and he's on the cross like late morning, I believe. So he's on the cross for multiple hours. So they're watching this. So he's been there now at least like in this non-resting, non-fed, non-recharged state after leaving the garden for what? 15 hours, something like that. It's a long time, all right? It's painful pre for people to look at. This is why the women were weeping over our Lord. And he had to tell them, don't weep over me. Weep over yourselves and for your children. Why? Because the Pharisees had said, let the blood of our Lord, you know, Jesus. They, they didn't call him our Lord. They didn't understand what they were doing. They said, let his blood be on us and our children. Now, if you're at the base of his cross looking up, so say you're kneeling in front of it, you have... Gestus, the bad thief, on our right, and you have Dismas, the good thief, on our left, looking at our Lord. Now, behind the cross, so looking back behind the mountain, you would have Jerusalem, because Jesus has now turned his back on Jerusalem when he was raised on his cross, and he faces west. What's west of Jerusalem? Rome. Jesus is actually talking about the stand-up of the church at this point. He's building out the new church and focusing, okay? So you're looking at our Lord with all this going on and the Roman soldiers milling about. But he is hanging there in agony. He's still breathing, and I believe the would still be potentially moaning. But again, remember, our Lord is very dignified in terms of how he hangs there. Jesus is not losing control in this event. When he says, 
my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? So this is the gospel of Matthew at the end there. When he says that, he's not losing control. Okay, yes, his hands are pierced and blood is pouring out of them. The cross is now stained with blood. Blood is now dripping onto the dust down below where Christ hangs. His flesh is discolored now as he's lost so much blood and so much fluids, he's looking almost like death warmed over. The composure he maintains, though, in all of this is regal because he's king and he knows ultimately people are looking at him. So when he says, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He's not saying that with a loss of control. And yes, he's in utter agony and pain. But what he does, you and I, have songs we hear on a radio, right? We know if we start listening to that song, we could just sit there and go along with the lyrics and we can, you know, sing along, right? Jesus is not saying this out of agony. He's saying it to remind them of the victory psalm, Psalm 21, that starts out, my God, look upon me, why hast thou forsaken me? Far from my salvation are the words of my sins. And he keeps going and it, it basically, oh, so for all these faithful Hebrews, they would know this psalm. Well, the thing is, this psalm ultimately is a victory psalm in talking about how deliver, O God, my soul from the sword, my only one from the hand of the dog. Save me from the lion's mouth and my lowness from the horns of the unicorns. And I will declare thy name to my brethren in the midst of the church. I will praise thee. Ye that fear the Lord, praise him, and all ye that seed of Jacob, glorify him. And let all the seed of Israel fear him, because he hath not slighted nor despised the supplication of the poor man, neither hath he turned away his face from me. And when I cried to him, he heard me. And he keeps going, but the whole point being is that he's talking about all the ends of the earth shall remember and shall be converted to the Lord, and all the kindreds of the Gentiles shall adore in his sight. For the kingdom is the Lord's, and he shall have dominion over the nations. All the fat ones of the earth have eaten and have adored, and all they that go down to the earth shall fall before him. And to him my soul shall live, and my seed shall serve him. There shall be declared to the Lord a generation to come, and the heavens shall show forth his justice to a people that shall be born, which the Lord hath made. The Hebrews would have known this. When he starts that, he's sitting there and telling everyone around, yes, everything may look like it's the bottom and it's the worst and it's terrible and it's painful and stressful. And it may look like all hope is lost, but he recites this opening for this psalm to tell his followers, this is it. I win. I'm now king. And now I'm going to set everything right. We need to meditate on all the pain and the suffering that goes on, that went on, on the cross. And I say went on in the past tense because yes, here we are in 2022, right? And it's past that event. However, God exists outside of time and space. And from his standpoint, the author of the book, he can look at that for all eternity sitting on his throne. So for all time and space, that event continues to happen until he ultimately closes the book at the end when he returns and resets the world. So for the moment, the extension of the sacrifice of the cross is happening in real time at the Mass 
And so every single mass is an extension of that infinite sacrifice all happening in that moment from God's eye at the same time. Now, you and I in our prayers and meditations connect ourselves to that moment, that infinity, and we get so much from that, which is why Teresa of Avila and Francis de Sales recommend it. If you want more on this meditation to get more detail and more thought as you build this, because the main thing to do when you pray, close your eyes and think of that moment. For me, think about wrapping your arms around the cross potentially and kissing the wood or kissing his bloody feet. Okay, think about that as you pray and the clarity that comes is amazing. Now, if you want more detail to add more depth to that whole series of events, look at Anne Catherine Emmerich's Passion of the Christ. She goes into extreme amounts of detail because she had meditations, I should say visions, where she was right there standing in the presence of our Lord, feet away. Pretty awesome. Okay. They have, there's audiobook versions and there are uh, written versions. Look up either one, whatever works for you, but grab those and take a look. It's one of those things I try to do every single Lent to go and get myself set up for that Easter, you know, and specifically Good Friday and, and Holy Saturday, but ultimately all preparation for that last push towards Easter. All right. So hopefully that helps on the meditation side. Now, in closing, Teresa of Avila adds, following again from the interior castle meditate on the infinite mercy and patience of god not casting us down to hell at once and let us render him a hearty thanks you always have to remember that that sacrifice on the cross that work of our lord that suffering he endured god chose the cross and mercy to accompany the infinite justice that he has in store those who refuse the cross also refuse the crown of heaven. They refuse infinity, okay? And those who refuse to meditate deeply on the cross risk a dark and painful eternity separated from our Lord, okay? If you refuse eternity, expect the eternity, eternal punishment, I should say, eternity of darkness. To reject infinity that was offered by our Lord to our Father and then ultimately on our behalf to help us to share with that sacrifice, if we reject infinity, expect the punishment to also be infinite. This is why hell makes logical sense and why all those people who will burn who will not actually try to go and attach themselves to our Lord and his sacrifice, we, you and I, and anyone else we can find who will listen, needs to go the other way and attach ourselves to our Lord with his cross, his sacrifice, bear our own crosses in union with him and appreciate what is being done for us and why the suffering needs to happen so that we can be polished and perfect and made just basically just men made perfect in his sight so that we can actually enter heaven these are really big things okay so i hope this helps you to know to learn to feel confident that we can meditate and that god has given us time on this earth and the grace necessary actual and sacramental graces so that we can overcome our sins and fly to him with everything we are in mind and body and soul. So we can then unite ourselves like this, be close to our Lord and share this with him. And then the more we know about his suffering and his passion, the easier it is for us to endure other pains and sufferings here and ultimately be gracious and virtuous when we deal with others. All right. These are really important things. And I hope it was helpful sharing this with you. So let us meditate on the cross and conquer heaven. All right. Are you with me? All right. All or nothing. All in or we're out. That's it. Two destinations at the end. We can do this. We got this. If you have any questions, throw them down below. I'm happy to answer them. Make sure if this helped, smash that like button. 
share the video out there. The more people that see this, the better it does for the channel. So we can actually add more content here and take more time for you guys to build and to share and to help us all be the best Catholics we can be. So thank you all for watching, for subscribing and everything else you do. I appreciate you all. Now, as always, may God bless us and the Virgin protect us. And as always, St. Joseph, pray for us. All right. See you later.